Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is good to see everyone here tonight. Why don't you stand with me? Uh, just so glad to have all of you here on campus, those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live. So glad you've made our service a part of your evening, and I know it'll be a blessing to you. Let's start tonight with prayer and praise, if you will. Um, we want to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise, and also pray that God would just anoint and move and work. I want to be changed tonight in the presence of God. How about you? Amen. Let's go to the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise. Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, you always, always, always show up big in the praises of your people. And I'm praying tonight that you would anoint every part of this service. Anoint our speakers, our musicians, Lord. Anoint our minds and hearts to hear. And Lord, I just pray that your will would be done, that you would have the preeminence in this place tonight, God. Everything done to the glory of God and to the furtherance of your kingdom. Could you just say in Jesus' name, clap your hands to Jesus one more time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, that just, that just seems like something's building here, like we're on the right track tonight for what God has for us. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Tonight is going to be a very special night. We're excited about it, looking forward to it. I'm going to give you uh, just a little bit more background on that in a moment. But first, just to, uh, just to begin here tonight, let me remind you of two important things. First of all, Ranch Day in LaRanger at the Lighthouse Ranch for Boys is this Saturday. Uh, this Saturday out there at the ranch. And if you can go, uh, you'll be a blessing to them. But more than that, they'll be a blessing to you. Uh, somebody told me right before church that uh, it's just, just talking about what a great environment it is and how much fun. And there's lots of food, too. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a win all the way around. So if you can make it this Saturday, please do so. And then the second thing I want to remind you about or remind you of is something that we've been talking about a lot around here. And that is the family night outside. Uh, it's just it's getting close. It's um, on, on October the 29th, uh, just not that far away now. And, of course, that is also our chili cook-off, our second annual chili cook-off. So uh, mark your calendar, mark your time slot. It's from 4 to 7 right outside here on the campus that night or, or that, that day on October 29th. So please come and bring a friend, bring a family member. What a great opportunity uh, to introduce somebody to our church. If you got it, say amen. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, uh, it is an honor. Pastor has uh, invited us. He's uh, opened the, uh, the door of welcome to the students, to the youth group, uh, to, to um, just really to conduct this service, if I may say it that way. And what an honor. And they're excited. They are, uh, just have a lot of passion, a lot of energy around the kingdom. And so tonight, uh, we, we're going to open with the uh, JV worship team, JV praise band, and then we're gonna, I'm going to come back to the pulpit and introduce our speakers. Uh, but just before the praise team comes, uh, I just was meditating a little bit, praying a little bit. And, and I, I've heard people say, you have to say, uh, you know, that, that young people are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And, uh, and I got to thinking about that. And I, I started thinking. I said, well, you know, they're, they're the church of tomorrow. That's true. That seems pretty logical to me that, that we're going to turn this over to them at some point in time. Um, 
But I think they're also the church of today. I think they have an integral part uh, of the kingdom of God and what is going on now, presently, in the kingdom of God. So I think they're equally true. I think it's both. And so I just think the students are the church of tomorrow today. Is that all right? Can they be the church of tomorrow today? Amen. Amen. And so with that in mind, we're going to turn it over to the, to the JV worship team. I want you to worship with them. Get behind them, and let's let our praises ring tonight. What do you say? God bless you. Would you clap your hands and make them welcome tonight?
Grace Church, let's give the Lord some praise on a Wednesday night. If he's been good to you, if he's been faithful, if you're glad to be in his presence one more time, would you just let your praises ring? Come on. Let's just shout unto the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Lord, we celebrate your goodness. We celebrate your greatness, God. You are good. King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for worshiping with the JV team, the JV praise team. God bless you tonight. Uh, as you know, we meet on Wednesday nights over in the uh, Alexander Center every other Wednesday night, twice, twice a month for youth service. And uh, God is doing some tremendous things in those meetings. I'm going to tell you, uh, you see it here on Sundays for sure. Uh, our, our young people are worshipers. They love to worship God. They pray. Uh, over here on Sunday mornings, uh, we pray at 9 o'clock before Sunday school. And they certainly have a passion for God, a passion for the kingdom of God. And they, uh, they are hearing from God at their young age. They are beginning to understand what it's like to have God speak to you and put something on your heart and, and an inspiration or a thought or a scripture. And, and so we meet over here on, uh, on Wednesday, every other Wednesday night uh, in the Alexander Center for Youth Service. And uh, it just seems like it started towards the end of last semester into this fall semester. Uh, they have just been coming uh, up to me one after the other, just asking if they could speak on a given Wednesday night. And it's gotten to be uh, such a, a list of, of folks, that, of young students that want to speak. It's become kind of a waiting list. I have to put them on the waiting list and, and schedule with them at a later time. And I, wanna, oh, I just want to emphasize and tell you and, and let you know that they're not doing that. They're not feeling compelled to speak on Wednesday nights uh, to show out in some kind of way or to to be in the spotlight or to just have their voice heard. It is a result of a, of a passion that they feel uh, for the kingdom of God and a passion that they feel for uh, letting others know about what God's doing on the inside of them. And, uh, and it comes through on Wednesday nights. And oftentimes we have altar call and uh, the spirit of God will move and we'll just, we'll just see uh, just like here on a Sunday morning with, with young people being touched and moved on by the power of God. So tonight, we've asked four of them uh, to speak to us uh, here in the main sanctuary as our, as our speakers for this service. We've, we've invited four of them uh, to speak. So uh, you're going to be blessed tonight. And uh, from this point, I'm not going to introduce each one as they come up. They'll just come up in succession. So let me, let me tell you who they are and the order that we're going to go in. You're going to hear first from Brother Braylon Starnes. And then you're going to hear from Noah Watley. And then you're going to hear from Allison Montgomery. And then finally wrapping up will be Eli Tear. And uh, we're just looking forward to what they have to say. They put a lot of work into this. They put a lot of prayer into it. Uh, they've, they've just, they, they want to share their heartbeat with you. And I told them tonight before church, I said, you know what? You're among friends. Uh, you're among those that support you, your family, your church family. And they are all pulling for you, and they're going to do a tremendous job. So as Braylon comes tonight to kick things off, would you just make them all welcome in a, in a great round of applause? We're so thankful for it. Praise the Lord. I want to thank Brother Murphy and Brother Dave for giving me the opportunity to speak tonight. 
right, so my title is The End Times Are Coming. So tonight, I'm going to talk to you all about the end times. We can look around at our world today and notice that we are living in the last days. The world isn't how it used to be. It's rapidly changing, but for the worse. In Acts 2.17, Peter spoke to the believers on the day of Pentecost. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Scripture gives us signs of Jesus' coming, but not a specific date. Jesus told us of his coming out of mercy so we could prepare our hearts. Mark 13.32 tells us that no man, not even the angels in heaven, know when he will come back. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. If we're all honest with ourselves, we are guilty of at least one of these. As much as I don't want to admit it, personally sometimes I'll find myself being disobedient. And I'm sure some of you do too. If you feel you're not guilty, wait, there's more. Verse 3 says, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, and despisers of those that are good. Verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded, and lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. The phrase lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God sticks out to me. So I want to look into it a little bit more. My personal meaning of the phrase is anyone that loves anything more than they love our God. Here's an example. We all know a lot of people love money. I hate to admit it, but as time goes on, Christians are starting to look more and act more like the world. Here's an example. Ask someone you know to put all their, or a Christian that you know, to put all the money in their wallet in the offering. Good luck with that. Verse 5, having a farm of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. We can tell the coming of Jesus is soon because of the current state of the world. If God ended farmer dispensations of time and judgment due to the behavior of people, how much more will he come to pour out judgment in this time and era when people are just growing worse and worse? Next up, false Christ and God's war and conflicts. In our world, you hear so much talk about false Christ. I know personally, last year in English class, we were being taught about the different types of gods in mythology. Go look up people who claim to be God. Once you see how many videos and all that there are people claiming to be God, it shows you just how crazy our world is and the people living in it are. There are always people in disagreement which can lead to conflicts. I know at my school, they have kids that get into the most foolish arguments which lead to fighting. In our world, you can look at some of the things that countries and people are fighting and dying for and they just don't make sense. But Luke 21, eight through 11 says, and he said, take ye heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and the time draweth near, go ye not, there, go ye not therefore before them. Verse 9, 
But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Verse 10. And he said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Verse 11. And great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines and pestilences, fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But we as believers should not be afraid of these signs. As people of his church, we should think of these times as exciting. These signs are telling us that God is getting ready to come back for his church. Luke 21, 25 through 26 says, And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars. And upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. All features of nature undergo sudden changes. Nature will begin to change as we know it. We are already seeing devastating destruction, such as hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and diseases. Here are some examples of those disasters and diseases. I'm sure we're all familiar with Hurricane Katrina and COVID. Hurricane Katrina killed 1,833 people, 1,577 of those fatalities occurring in Louisiana. 8,500 homes were destroyed, causing an estimated $161 billion in damage along the Gulf Coast. Then we have COVID. An estimated 597 million people have been sickened with disease, with 6.46 million people dying from it. So nature is giving us hints that our God is coming soon. You also have scoffers. 2 Peter 3, 3-4 says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Because we are about 2,022 years from the day of Pentecost, people have stopped believing and watching for the Lord to come. Once again, it is only God's mercy and patience that keeps him from coming right here, right now. You cannot let the sin of the world blind you or make you lose sight of his coming. As people of his church, once again, we shall never fear his coming. When he comes, we will be moved to a new and different place and receive a new body and live with the Lord forevermore. We as humans are just passing through this world. As a matter of fact, we could view this world as our waiting room. We are waiting on the trumpet to sound and for God to welcome us to our real home. That being said, let's make sure we're not making this dirty, nasty, and sinful world our true home, but let's watch for the signs of the end times and the coming of our Savior. Once we make it to our right home, heaven, we won't have to deal with all the things that are going on in our world. All sin will be gone. I just want to say that not everyone is fortunate and are able to come to church like we are. So I think we should keep what we have heard tonight in our mind and minister to our friends and our family. Because I know I have friends and family that aren't right with God. And 
I don't want to leave this world knowing that I haven't done everything possible to help them get to God. I think that if you have family or friends that you truly love, you would think the same. So let's keep them on our minds this week and in our prayers this week. God bless y'all as Brother Noah comes. Praise the Lord. Uh, first, um, I want to thank Pastor and our youth director, Brother Dave. Um, I also want to thank my family for supporting me and my amazing youth group. Yeah. Um, so as you're open to your Bibles tonight, please turn to Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And they say, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity, curse God, and die? But he said unto her, he being Job, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Tonight, I would like to speak to you about who will you listen to. All right. As we all know, words mean things. There's an old saying that says, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Frankly, I don't believe that's true. All of us have been hurt by words, from our families, siblings, or friends. We have all been hurt by words. A poet once said, words mean more, that more, excuse me, words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with a deeper meaning. So, what does science have to say about this? Doctors conducted many investigations into how powerful a family's words or voice to one another are, and here's what they, say, here's what they conclude. Your family influences your behavior in a tremendous way. We learn so much about how we interact with the world and ourselves. Family relationships cast long shadows, especially when we are young, and it goes very deep into our psyche or mind. This can also go for your own voice, too. As you can see, voices are very powerful things. So going back to our, so going back to our text, we find Job arguably in the hardest trial in the Old Testament. He's lost everything, and to make things worse, his wife is encouraging him to basically commit suicide. I believe we've all been on a path that feels like you're on your own and that nobody even cares, but we must remember that God is on our side and he is fighting for us. Amen. We must remember who we listen to. If we listen to ourselves, the news, the voices of those who do not put God first, we are in some form or way allowing the devil to speak to us. We need to be like Job, and when we start hearing our thoughts for the things that are not from above, we need to stand up and say to the devil, I'm down, not out. You may have started getting it to my head. It's time to leave. I don't listen to you. I listen to God. I don't care what's going on in the world. He has ordained me from the beginning. His ways are my ways. His eyes are my eyes, and his thoughts will be my thoughts. Amen. God has put many voices that he can speak through for us to listen to. Our friends are one, our pastor, our elders, and others God can use to speak through. And I know, it's hard, trust me. I've been there, I felt the feeling of hopelessness or not being worth the fight. But we must remember that God has given us weapons to fight those voices. That's the word, the Holy Ghost. He's talking to, to us. We just need to make sure we have the ears to hear what he's trying to speak to us. As you can see, voices are very powerful things. So, back to Job later in our scripture, he then begins to immerse himself in the word. 
Like David, he had to think and pray to God for strength. He was listening to the right voices. And I know in my life, when I'm listening to the voices of fear, anger, and anxiety, I just start to open my Bible and quote the word, and every voice leaves, and every thought vanishes. We have tools to help us when we start listening to the wrong voices. We must learn to listen to them. Now, the devil has powerful weapons, too, so we must look out for them because he's against us. One thing the devil uses is music. He's the prince and power of the air, as recorded in the Bible. He was the music director in heaven before he was eventually kicked out. So, what are you listening to when you open your music apps or listen to the radio? Does the music you're listening to glorify God? Are you, is the music putting you in a mindset to worship him? Music can affect you in a good or a bad way. Make sure you always remember who the music leader in heaven was and know he controls secular music. If we're listening to music that is negative or does not put us in the mindset for God, the devil might take the slightest word or song and influence us to start listening to the wrong voices. Another thing that the devil uses is our friends and family. This could be your parents, spouse, friend, or family member of any kind. We can identify these voices because they cause confusion, anxiety, anger, fear, and depression. However, God's voice causes joy, peace, and hope. So every time you're feeling those feelings and emotions, just think, what voice are you listening to? Because God only gives us things that help us. We must always have the right voices in our ears constantly. But many people have listened to the wrong voices in the Bible. David did. He listened to the voices that spoke carnal, worldly desires when he saw Bathsheba and killed Uriah. Demas had listened to the wrong voice and left Paul when the Bible says in 2 Timothy, Demas has forsaken me. Even Judas, one of Jesus' own disciples, listened to Satan, betrayed Jesus, and ended his own life. Now, what if you have listened to the wrong voices? There is hope. David, after listening to the wrong voice, turned his life around and became a man after God's own heart, as recorded in Acts 13, 22. Paul murdered Christians, but then died an apostle. Peter died for the cause of Christ after denying the person who died for him. Just because you listen to the wrong, the wrong voice doesn't mean you've, you've turned away from God. You can still turn back, and he will always forgive you. All you need to do is, like these men, silence the voices of this world where it might be speaking to you. That may be anyone who will interrupt your relationship with Jesus, a song, or even, and I know this will probably, I'm preaching to the choir on this, social media. Next, you need to create a relationship and a sensitivity with God. You need to have God's voice in your ears and heart always. God will direct you when you, when you listen to his voice. Listen to what the word of God has to say to you right now. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Why? Because his voice is power. His voice is life. His voice has raised people from the dead and calmed seas. His voice can deliver you from what's going on in your life. And his voice will one day say, well done. We must listen to the correct voices. And I know in my life, I've listened to the wrong voices. These have been voices of fear and pain. Every night I could almost hear these voices telling me things that go against the things of Jesus. But Jesus helped me get through it. When I started hearing the, these voices, I started telling my mind to stop listening to those voices. And start listening to Jesus's. And when I did, the fear went away and the pain suddenly I could not feel. Because Jesus is and will always be the ultimate voice. But even Jesus was tempted to listen to the wrong voices. In the wilderness, he had to endure the devil, or if you will, the wrong voice. 
teeth for 40 days, but Jesus knew the word or the correct voice, and he listened to it. And finally, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was tempted by the devil or the wrong voice to stop and not go through with the cross, but Jesus overcame it and said, not my will, but your will. So, as I conclude, my question to you is, who will you listen to? God bless as Allison comes. Praise the Lord, everyone. Um, I want to first give honor to Brother Dave and Pastor for giving me the opportunity to speak. Today, I'll be preaching on where your burdens define you or move you. I grew up in a home where I was raised in the Lord. Both of my parents were apostolic and devoted to God. My dad was a minister and evangelist. He loved witnessing to people about God. He wanted nothing more than the people who don't know God to just experience him and have a relationship with him. My mom has been a Sunday school teacher since I can remember. She has made a ton of sacrifices for God. They have served faithfully and won people to God and brought tons of kids, even adults, to church. Then I began to hear people like Pastor Murphy, who grew up in a home that was prayerful, parents fighting for their kids and wanting to give their children back to the Lord. They helped them to know the word. I see Sister Casey, his daughter, devoted to God, basking in his presence. All these things I've seen growing up and paid attention to. Things I started doing because of what I was taught. I go to church, I worship, I memorize Bible verses because of the examples set in my life. My parents told me that the love of God is beautiful and there are no other being, object, or atmosphere that can fulfill you like God does. And I believe it. You see, I look at people like Isaac in the Bible when he was just a little boy. In Genesis 22 and two, it says, take your son, your only son who you love Isaac and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mount and I will show you. So here God is literally telling Abraham. So you know that kid that you blessed me with? I want you to sacrifice him. Mm -hmm. You heard me right. I want you to sacrifice the child that I blessed you with. Crazy, right? That's like your parents just bought you a new iPhone and they had a bonfire in the backyard and told you to throw it in it. <laughs> but as crazy as it sounded, Abraham got up and did just as God asked him to do. In verse 3, it says, early in the morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And, and in verse 6, skip down to verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. In verse 7, notice this verse. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, Abraham replied, Yes, my son, the, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Here you notice Isaac finally begins to question his father. He's like, Hey, by now, usually we have the sacrifice for the burnt offering, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Isaac is as Isaac is thinking these thoughts, Abraham responds in verse 8. 
God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So Isaac is like, oh, I see what you mean. Dad, God has already provided. So am I really the sacrifice, Dad? Dad, I don't understand why you're sacrificing me or why you're sacrificing me today, but I trust your walk with God. In verse 9, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Isaac had every opportunity to run, to hide, and to fight back, but he didn't. He watched as his dad tied him up for the sacrifice. Abraham may be wishing that he didn't have to give up a son that he waited so long for. Abraham holding that knife inches away from losing his blessing, all because he trusted God, all because Abraham loved the Lord. He was making his ultimate sacrifice. As God's children, can you be like Isaac? Maybe you follow after groups of people doing the things they do, maybe the wrong things. Isaac wanted to follow in the footsteps of his father because he saw a father that loved God so much. Who do you talk like? Maybe you sound like your peers so that you can fit in with them because it's comfortable. You are afraid of being different, judged by what God, but, but what about God? I went through trials of not wanting to be different, singled out because I wasn't like the, the rest. In school, I went through a rough time where I felt like I lost everything and everyone. But I began to lose who I really was and who I was called to be. It's going to sound heavy at first. But I began to think that living a life unto God is just too hard and I'm not strong enough. You see, I went to God and I told him that society doesn't like me for it. And frankly, God, I'm tired of being different. Thoughts like these had me battling with my own identity. God, if serving you is all about love, I don't feel that unconditional love. Where is the love you gave my parents that make you serve them like they do? Lord, my leaders, my Sunday school teachers, my church friends, where is my love, God? Things like this went through my head for four years of my life. One day, I was going through a particular rougher time than normal. It was the closing days of school, and all my friends came up to me saying, for the past three years that I was nothing to them, and that once school was over, that they never wanted to talk to me again. See, these were people I held a special place in my heart, people I could never live without, people I shared everything with. I turned to God and I said, no one wants me. And right now, I'm sure you have nothing in store for me, God. So let me do everyone a little favor. I took a scalpel from the science room that day and slipped it in my pocket. And I was going to take it and use it. I was fully prepared to take my own life that day. All because I felt unworthy and unloved by my peers. Fortunately, a fellow student saw me and told the teacher, and I convinced the teacher it was a joke. But at the end of the class period, he wanted to have a talk, and I broke. I began crying, and I was mad and frustrated on how he took it away from me. I wasn't allowed to go home that day, and I remember being so scared, not because some teachers found out, but because I'd have to see my mom's face after they called her. 
My mom came in my room, they put me in, and they explained to her the situation. My mom then called my name, and all I saw was my Abraham that God had given me. Tears streaming down her face. My Abraham, who was witnessing the blessing that God had bestowed upon her life, slipping away. I was the one holding the knife this time. I was laying my life down, bound by the ropes of depression, loneliness, despair, betrayal, hurt, and confusion. Fast forward about two years later, we got to camp 2021 and even this year, 2022. I heard a message that truly spoke to me called, Show Me the Receipts by James Wilson. He said, and I quote, your heritage cannot give you a relationship with God. You have to pay the price. We did not get here by accident, and it's only those who have paid the price, those who have sacrificed for God, that shall be saved. Are you willing to give him everything? Show your receipt, end quote. And for so long, I held up this wall, this burden that I carried, and for the first time, I brought God all of my burdens to the altar, and at that moment, I felt the power of the Almighty God. That moment, I experienced what all of his love felt like. There is a moment in your life where you have to realize that your relationship with people around you should not affect your personal relationship with God. I began worshiping and embracing him and starting anew. And this time, it wasn't just for my parents, not just because my parents told me that God is mighty and loving, not just because of the preachers that show the word of God, but it was because I wanted that love and that grace for myself. Isaac didn't fight with Abraham because he was starting to realize that the love of God is more than just your family, more than just your friends, and more than just your past mistakes. But it's because God is grace. God is forgiving. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the great I am. He is Alpha and Omega. He is steadfast. He is a blessing God, a burden releaser, a mighty healer, a weightlifter. He is powerful. And most importantly, God is love. In those seasons of doubting and loneliness where it seems like God just isn't moving in your life, it sounds so cliche to say, but pray. It may not come easy or in the timing you were hoping for, but that doesn't mean he isn't working. Even when I don't see him, he's working. Even when I don't feel him, he's working. He never stops working. So now is the time to ask yourself, Will you let the burden of your life define you or move you forward? And who will you do it for? You or the world? Thank you. As Brother Eli comes. Hallelujah. Wow, that was amazing, honestly. Everyone before me has done an amazing job. I'd like to thank Pastor and Brother Dave uh, both great leaders, both important aspects in my life, um, in my youth group. I would 
I would not be standing here without you all. So I'd like to preach to you all tonight about the power of your praise. In Psalms 100, verses 4 through 5, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So your praise is a weapon, a powerful weapon, a weapon that can dissipate all fear, worries, concern, and break any barriers. Your praise is a weapon that can affect your life. Your praise can change you and others around you. Your praise, your worship, is the spark that is lighting the fire that can change your life and the lives of those around you. Nothing can take away your praise away from you. Nothing can stop you from praising. When you enter into an atmosphere of praise, something begins to shift, something begins to change, that you can't help but fall into this unexplainable experience. Your praise exalts and magnifies God, but the thing is, God is infinitely huge. He is infinitely powerful, so we can never stop magnifying God enough. So our praise should never stop getting better and better. Only you can determine how big your praise is. Your praise enlarges your perception of God, and when God gets bigger, our problems get smaller. Our anxiety gets smaller. Our fear begins to flee. Our despair gets smaller. Our depression gets smaller. So when we, when we run the aisles, when we jump, when we shout, when we, play, we proclaim his magnificence and all of his glory, let's never stop doing that. Because from here on out, it's only getting better. Like Pastor preached several months ago, our praise, our worship is free, uh, reaching a flashpoint to where the fire burns everywhere. Our praise is at a flashpoint right now. I don't know if you noticed, but something is happening in our church. I've seen it all around. Something is changing. Something is shifting. There's an uproar in our praise. There is no turning back now. We must keep moving forward with our praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Psalms 34, verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. So God hears your praise. David said in Psalms 34, when you praise God at any time, God will hear you, your praise and answer to you. Your praise is your access to the king at any time. And in Acts 2, verse 6, uh, chapter 16, verse 25, it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bandits were loose. I love this verse because Paul and Silas praised in the lowest of lows and God heard their praise and answered and they were loose and not only Paul and Silas were freed but everyone in the prison was freed. Everyone. <laughs> Hallelujah. They, they used their praise as a weapon to free them from the bonds they were in and the bonds of those around them. Joshua 6, verse 20, so the people shouted when priests blew the trumpets, and it came to pass. When the people heard the sound of the trumpet, they shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down. So that the people went up into the city, and every man straight before him, and they took the city. For six days they walked around the wall, but for the seventh day, but on the seventh day, they, something different happened. They blew that trumpet and shouted praises, and the wall came down. And in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, verses 22, and they began to sing and to praise, and the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. When the people began to praise God, God stepped in and won the battle. So maybe you or someone you know right now is in a prison right now, 
or in bonds right now, or maybe there's a wall in your life holding you back, or maybe there's a battle coming your way that you don't know if you're going to win. But I know of something that can free them, something that can shake the foundations of the prison, something that can bring the walls down, something that can crush the enemy, something that can give you immediate access to the king. Your praise. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. So your praise is breaking bonds, tearing down walls, destroying the enemy, and winning battles. Your praise is being heard, and your praise is having an effect. There is most certainly power in your praise. God is always worth, is worthy of a praise, always. He's worthy of all because of simply who he is. He's worthy of it all. We've seen the, what praise can do in the past few months. People seemingly filled with the, in the, with the Holy Ghost in an instant. People healed in an instant. Lives completely changed in an instant. How? Because our praise is allowing God to do what he has never before done in our lives and in our church. Our praise reveals the solutions to problems we cannot see. God reveals answers in our praise to whatever the problem is. So what can our praise not do? In Psalm 34, verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Sometimes we're in a period of time where we are just tired. Sometimes we're just in a down moment. There are times where I don't want to praise because I'm just simply not in the mood. But praise shifts your mood. It invites the presence of God into the room, and it can change everything. Praise affects you. It touches every part of your life. When, hallelujah, when you praise, you are, you're, you are focused on God, no longer allowing your attention to be centered around problems or struggles. I know when I praise God, it really uplifts me. It makes my day. It can even make my week. A great quote from uh, Jack Taylor's book, The Hallelujah Factor, it says, when we praise, product productivity is maximized, fulfillment is realized, and frustration is neutralized. Not only can your praise help your move, it can help others. When you praise, someone else can really, re your praise can really uplift someone. It can really uplift them. You never know what they're going through, and you never know it can, the impact it can have on their day, their week, or even their entire life. There is most certainly power in your praise. Your praise has the same power whether you're, you're, whether you're at a praise break, a youth camps, or an amazing service, Sunday service outbreak here, or at a Wednesday night youth service in the A Center. It still has the same effect. It still can cause an outbreak in the spirit. It can still change life. It can still uplift you or someone around you. So no matter what, don't stop praising. Hallelujah. I remember when a pastor preached the message called this bunch and something I noticed something started to change in our church mightily. There was a shift in almost everyone. We started seeing miracles and great outpourings. I also noticed our praise changed. We started praising like we had never had before. And, and because of that, God revealed himself more and more and is still revealing himself more and more. There are multiple times where I thought, well, I don't know, how is this going to get better than it is now? How is God going to keep showing up but even better? But through it all, he keeps revealing himself better and better and better than the time before through our praise and because of our praise. This is the power of our praise. So for all of us tonight, I just want to tell you that this church would not be the way it is right now if it were not for the power of our praise. Hallelujah. We all have seen what it can do, so don't ever stop praising him. Let's take our praise and shake the foundations. Let's take our praise and tear down walls. Let's take our praise and win the battle. Let's take our praise to another level. And God will take us to another level. He is calling us to be a different people. He has called us to reveal his true power like never before. This is the power of your praise. And I'm going to end on uh, Psalms 150 verses 1 through 6. 
Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him for the firmament of his power. Praise him in his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instrument and stone organs. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. As for me and my house, I'm going to praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all. It's past. It's Dave Cone. Come on, Grace Church. Let's praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we're obeying the preacher tonight. We're obeying the word of God tonight. Come on, just a minute more. Let's worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody shake the foundation with your praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just remain standing for a moment. I want to um, conclude in a very special way tonight. Um, but, but just a, a couple of comments. You, you see here tonight uh, a couple of observations. You see that there's a, a depth to these students. Um, the, what you saw here tonight was a representation of all of them. And you understand now why we have moves of God next door when we have uh, youth service. And there's a depth to them. They, they have the word of God in their hearts. And when you see them run the aisles, when you see them pray, when you see them cry, when you see them in the altars, it's not emotion only. Emotion does play a part, but it's not emotion only. They do have a, a depth there. There is something down on the inside that's crying out for more of God and to be used of God. And the second thing you notice is that often these students are going through things that we don't even realize. That, that you, you, you don't know sometimes the burden they carry in this generation, in this society that they, they, we all face, but they face in very unique ways. And sometimes we don't understand what they're carrying. So your prayers over them, a covering over them would be, would be more than welcome. It would be necessary uh, to cover them in a prayer covering as they grow and mature in their walk with God. So, tremendous job tonight, y'all. I want to just commend you one more time. JV Praise Band. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. So, here's how I want to end tonight. We've got just a couple of minutes, and then we'll turn you loose. I'm going to ask all of our students, the entire youth group, to come, come to the front, come forward, just down here, and I'll, just in a line across. And I want you to face, face, the, uh, face the audience, the crowd. And if you'll remain standing, church family, uh, y'all take about three steps forward. You don't have to be uh, quite so. <laughs> this is going to be interactive here in a, in a certain way. Thank you so much, students. Thank you. Come on, come on. Uh, this is what I want to do. I, I'm, of course, going to have uh, moms and dads, grandparents. I'm going to have you stretch forth your hand and pray over our youth group. But this is what I want to do that's a little different. Students, I want you to stretch forth your hand and your faith and pray for our moms, our dads, our grandparents, our leaders, our seasoned saints. And, and this is just what's on my mind for this service today, uh, tonight. Uh, just It's an old, old song. Some of you know it. Some of you don't. But there's an old song that just says, you're my brother. And you're my sister, so take me by the hand 
and together we will work until he comes. I, want, I just feel that God wants to uh, unify us here tonight. It doesn't matter if you're the oldest here or the youngest. It doesn't matter what uh, oh, station in life, economic status, or, or whatever. We're all in this together. We're Grace Church family. Amen? We're all, we're all fighting together, and we're going to win together. And yes, Braylon, we are going to go to heaven together. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> So by way of dismissal tonight, would you just do that? Students, stretch your hand forward. Uh, moms and dads, grandparents, stretch your hand this way. Let's pray for one another. Let's unify, and let's get ready to see some awesome things at Grace Church. Lord, right now, I thank you for the word that's going forth, and there is a very sacred and precious anointing in this house that I feel right now, and it's because young people have stood in this pulpit and declared the word of God. It's because they've declared truth. And it's because your people have heard and they have mixed that word with faith. And so right now, God, I am praying for unity. I am praying for authority, Lord, from the oldest to the youngest, every serve team, every connect group, Lord, every Sunday school class, Lord, uh, the adult Sunday school class, youth student, youth and student class, whatever uh, age group we find ourselves in, whatever demographic, Lord, we're uniting. We're going to be together, Lord, and we're going to walk hand in hand until you come and we're going to reap a harvest in Jesus name in our family and our friends and our community if you believe in grace church let's give God some praise right now in Jesus name we declare it in this place we declare it in this place hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus well what do you say we do this again sometime amen Amen. God bless you. I believe uh, based on some things pastor said to me sitting over there, I think the green light is on and the door is open. So we'll see what happens. God bless you, Grace Church. Thank you for supporting our students. We'll see you back here this weekend in Jesus' name.